Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the Song of Moses as we pick up in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 17. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Now write this song for them. And the song is something they'll remember. And later on, when the calamities happen, this song, they'll still be singing the song, but as they sing it, then all of a sudden, they'll begin to understand it. The song will be a reminder to them of the reason why the calamities have befallen them is because they have forsaken God. So the song of Moses that he was to teach to the children of Israel in order that when the calamities came, it would remind them and be a testimony or a witness against them. And it shall come to pass when many evils and troubles are befallen them, verse 21, that this song will testify against them as a witness, for it will not be forgotten. So Moses wrote this song the same day, taught it to the children of Israel. And to Joshua he said, Be strong, be of good courage, for thou shalt bring the children of Israel into the land, which I swear unto them, and I will be with thee. And so it came to pass when Moses made an end of writing the words, and again it tells us that Moses made an end of the writing of the words of this law in a book until they were finished, that Moses commanded the Levites, which bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, saying, Take this book of the law and put it in the Ark of the Covenant as as it was to be preserved there. And so Moses spake into the ears of all the congregation of Israel the words of this song until they were ended. So this is the song that Moses taught to the children of Israel. And incidentally, it was the first hit rock song. (laughs) It is a song about the rock. Because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all of his ways are judgment, a God of truth. And without iniquity, just and right is he. So the song begins with the declaration of God as our rock. Of his works, his ways, his judgments, his truths, his righteousness. But the people, they have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of his children. They are perverse and a crooked generation. Do ye thus requit the Lord, O foolish people and unwise? Is not he your father which bought you? Hath he not made thee and established thee? Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father. He'll show you. The elders, they'll tell you. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds for the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Then in verse 11, a beautiful figure. As an eagle stirs up her nest, flutters over her young, spreads abroad her wings, takes them bears them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. And so the beautiful figure of of God as an eagle. And as an eagle stirreth up the nest. Now, actually, the, the, the description here is of a mother eagle teaching the little eaglets how to fly. 
And how does the mother eagle teach the eaglets how to fly? By kicking them out of the nest. Now the little eaglets are very comfortable in the nest. And the nests were usually high up on the sides of the cliffs. But the mother eagle will kick the little eaglet out of the nest when the time has come to learn to fly. And the little eaglet will start flapping its wings uncoordinated and, all, and, and start falling as it's flapping and just falling on down. And the mother eaglet is fluttering over it. But then it swoops just about the time it gets to the rocks. It swoops underneath of the little eaglet and catches it on its wings and it bears it back up to the nest until the next lesson. <laughs> now that may seem like a pretty harsh way to teach an eaglet how to fly, but there's no other way to teach it. And it's got to learn how to fly. Now the picture really is of God in developing us in our walk and relationship with Him. It's very easy for us to get comfortable sometimes in a particular position, in a particular place, under particular circumstances. And suddenly God begins to stir up the nest. We thought that we had great job security, but we find that we've been terminated. God, what are you doing? He's teaching you how to fly. And sometimes in your awkwardness, you, you look down and, and you're flapping around and you're screaming and the little eaglets, they really scream as they're going down. <laughs> and you see the rocks coming up so fast, you think, surely I'm going to be dashed. This is the end. It's all over. God, you've forsaken me. And then God just sort of swoops underneath, picks you up, and all of a sudden you begin to see the plan of God emerging. I was talking with a man the other day. We went to lunch together. He's a president of a large corporation here in Orange County. Three years ago he was fired after working for them for 13 years. He was a manager of one of their stores and he had received threats upon his life and upon his family, and so he asked Thrifties to transfer him from that store, and they refused to do it. And he said, well, either transfer me or fire me. So they fired him after 13 years. And he sort of thought, oh, what's going to happen to me now? Lord, what's going on? And he was flapping and screaming. But he went to work as a salesman for this corporation. And he was blessed. He soon became the sales manager in a few months' time. And when the owners decided to sell the corporation, he was then in a position to buy it and is now the owner and the president of this large corporation. Now, you see, that's what God had in mind for him all the time. But as long as he had his job security and was working, he was not looking for a job. Now, God had this position for him, but how is God ever going to get him to this position? The only way is to stir up the nest. 
Now I'm fired. What am I going to do? Well, I'm going to look for a job. All right. Now you're in the position where God can lead you because you're out looking. You see, we get locked into situations. So often we get locked in, we get comfortable, and, and we're not really looking for what God might have for us because we're very comfortable in this position. So God stirs up the nest. And we think, oh, I'm surely going to perish. No hope. And then God spreads forth his wings, bears you up. And thus we grow, thus we learn to trust in the Lord and rely upon the Lord as we are gaining strength and learning more and more how to fly. So that beautiful picture of the eagle stirring up her nest, fluttering over her young, spreading abroad her wings, taking them and bearing them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. He made him ride on the high places of the earth that he might eat the increase of the fields. He made him to suck honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock. But they lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation when Jezreel, which is Israel, waxed fat. They kicked They've waxed fat, they've grown thick, they're covered with fatness, so they forsook God and lightly esteemed the rock of their salvation. They provoked him to jealousy with strange gods, with abominations. They provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to devils, not to God. Now, Paul tells us that they who sacrifice to idols are actually sacrificing to devils. There was a common belief that a demon actually inhabited the idols of these gods. And that is very possibly true. I wouldn't doubt it at all. That many of these idols of little pagan gods actually have demons that are associated with them. So that they who were sacrificing to these idols were actually sacrificing unto devils, which shows the idiocy of saying concerning a person involved in a false religious system, well, he's so sincere in the worship of his God, surely God will, you know, accept him and save him. He's sincerely worshiping the devil, so God should reward him. Now of the rock, that had begotten them. They were not mindful. They've forsaken God that formed them. And so this song is quite a song of Moses. I'm amazed that the people were able to learn it. And so God tells them, because they have provoked his anger by the worship of these other gods, that he will heap mischiefs upon them and they shall be burnt with hunger and devoured with burning heat and with bitter destruction. I personally feel that this is a prophecy of the Holocaust in Germany. And the being burned in the ovens in Germany was predicted in this song. And when their troubles came, they were to sing this song. And if they would, it was to remind them of why the calamities befell them. Now, so often today, you talk to a Jew and you'll find he's an atheist because he'll say, where was God when my parents or my grandparents 
were burned in the ovens in Germany. If they would have kept this song and sung this song, they would know why all of the calamities befell them because they had forsaken God. And thus they had been forsaken by God. So God tells of the scattering of, to the corners of the earth. Make the remembrance to cease. Oh, that they were wise, God said, that they understood this, that they would consider what is the end result. Oh, how God wants you to be wise and to look ahead and to see what the end result is of the lifestyle you've chosen. God's crying. He's crying over man's ignorance, over man's folly. Oh, that they did know, only if they would look ahead and see what the end result of that lifestyle is. How should one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight except their rock had sold them and the Lord had shut them in? How could these happen unless God was with you? You, you, you forget to see, you forget to look that it was God's hand that did it for you. For the enemy's rock is not as our rock. For their vine is the vine of Sodom and the fields of Gomorrah. The grapes are of gall, the clusters are bitter. Their wine is the poison of dragons and all. Now God said, to me belongs vengeance, verse 35, and recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things that shall come upon them make haste. That is the text that Jonathan Edwards used for his sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Unto me belongeth vengeance and recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time. For the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things that shall come upon them make haste. Jonathan Edwards, in the sermon, Sinner in the Hands of an Angry God, said that a sinner is like a man walking over a fiery pit on an icy plank. Your footing is so unsure, at any moment you can slip on into the abyss. It was a very powerful sermon, one of the most classic sermons in the history of the church, I guess. Jonathan Evers was nearsighted. He had written out the sermon, and he read it, holding it up close so that he could see it. And as he was reading this sermon to the congregation, the power of the Holy Spirit began to convict people so greatly that they began to crawl down the aisles screaming out to God for mercy. You want to read something that really chill you sometimes? Read Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God by Jonathan Edwards. Oh, what a sermon. It's really heavy duty. This is the text for that sermon. And the Lord will judge his people and repent himself for his servants when he sees their power is gone. There is none left. And he shall say, where are your gods, the rock in whom you were trusting, which did eat the fat of your sacrifices and drank the wine of your drink offerings? Let them rise up and help you and be your protection. See now that I am 
He, and there is no God with me or beside me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. And neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. Some people say, does God make people sick? Well, he said here he does for purposes, different purposes within our lives. God declares that he wounds, that he even kills, that he heals, that he makes alive. There are certain teachers today who would deny this, but there it is. For I lift my hand to heaven and I say, I live forever, and if I wet my glittering sword and mine hand take hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to my enemies and reward them that hate me. For I will make my arrows drunk with their blood and so forth. And God goes on to tell of the calamities that will come, a song that they are to sing so that when their calamities did come, they would remember this is the reason. So set your hearts to all of these words which I testify to you to this day. Verse 46 which ye shall command your children to observe the words of this law, for it is not a vain thing for you because it is your life. Man, set your heart to it. Look, it's not an empty thing. It's your life. This is a matter of life and death. It isn't just something to pass off lightly. God is saying it's your life, not a vain thing. Now the Lord said to Moses, get up into Mount Nebo, in the land of Moab, which is over against Jericho, and take a look at the land of Canaan, which I give to the children of Israel for possession, and die in the mount where you go up. And, and you'll be gathered unto thy people, even as Aaron your brother died in Mount Hor and was gathered unto his people, because you trespassed against me at the waters of Meribah, and because you did not sanctify me in the midst of the children of Israel. So... Moses, time has come. Get up in the mountain and die because you failed to properly represent me before the people at the waters of Meribah. Oh, what a heavy responsibility Moses had of being God's representative. His failure at the waters of Meribah cost him the privilege of leading them into the promised land. What a heavy responsibility each of us have for we are God's representative to that world out there. You're his witnesses. You're God's representatives. And God wants you to properly represent him. That's an awesome responsibility. God help us. Chapter 33. Now this is the blessing wherewith Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of Israel just before he died. He said, The Lord came from Sinai, rose up from Seir, and he shined forth from Mount Paran, and he came with 10,000 of his saints. Yea, he loved the people. All of his saints are in thy hand. And they sat down at thy feet, and everyone shall receive thy words. Moses commanded us a law, even the inheritance of the congregation of Jacob. The king of Jezreel, or Israel, with the heads of the people and the tribes of Israel were gathered together. Let Reuben live and not die. And let his men be few. The word not, you notice, is in italics, means it was added. It was really, let his men be few. Now, uh, Reuben actually was one of the smaller tribes as they took the land. And it became really sort of scattered among the other tribes 
and the men of Reuben did become very few. This is the blessing of Judah. Hear, Jehovah, the voice of Judah, bring him into his people, let his hands be sufficient for him, and be thou a help to him from his enemies. The prophecy for Levi, let the Thummim and the Urim be with the Holy One, whom thou didst prove at Massa, with whom thou didst strive at the waters of Meribah, who said to his father and to his mother, I have not seen him, neither did he acknowledge his brothers, nor knew his own children, for they observed thy word and kept thy covenant. In other words, the priests of Levi were observed. Aaron was told, don't mourn for your sons when they die, don't touch their bodies and so forth. And, and so he kept the word of the Lord, didn't regard his own family, but his service to God more important. Bless, Lord, his substance and accept the work of his hands. Concerning Benjamin, he said, the beloved of the Lord shall dwell in safety by him and the Lord shall cover him all the day long and he shall dwell between his shoulders. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Deuteronomy on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Deuteronomy 31 through 33 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord give you a beautiful week a fellowship with him as you walk with the Lord in the light of his word. May he just spread his glory on your way. And may you just experience more and more the love of God and the grace of God as his spirit works in your heart, the spirit of grace and supplications. God bless you. Keep you in the name of Jesus. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Come along on an exciting adventure as Pastor Chuck reads the story of the Ten Commandments to children. God wants us to keep the Ten Commandments, but we just can't do it. So Jesus came and did it for us. Featuring Pastor Ken Graves as the voice of God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. Honor your father and your mother. And Pastor Poncha Juarez as the voice of Moses. Do not be afraid. 
Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will accomplish for you today. And so many others. No, I will not let God's people go. Oh, no. Here comes the water. Go back to Egypt. Tell Pharaoh to release my people. To order the story of the Ten Commandments book by Pastor Chuck, which comes with the audio CD as a gift, call the word for today at 800-272-WORD. Or to see a sneak preview of the book, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.